from there, from what we've been studying for the seventh month, and I just want to turn everybody's attention in the Word of God. If you would please uh, go with me to the book of Philippians, and I'll explain myself here. Tell you what, the salvation that God has provided for us is is really, if I can say it in this in this sense, it is amazing what God is is doing and what He's done for us and and what we believe, what we acknowledge. As far as truth is concerned, and you know, I'm just I'm, I, I'm I can feel a, a a burden. I feel a burden, and I and I try to be as sensitive as, as I can when I feel a burden. And I know certain things are happening, certain things are taking place, and in in regards to all this and everything that we're all going through, I'm glad we we know the truth. I'm, not, I'm glad we know the gospel as we know it. Yeah. And um, so much, uh, I guess I can say, in a sense, even, even what we know, even what we understand concerning the word, a lot of times the truth can be obscured. And usually when I when, when I say obscured, there's a lot of things that would, you know, uh, when it comes to revelation, when it comes to understanding, the Bible talks about the mystery of God, the mysteries of God. And of course, when, we, when you take a look at it in that sense, and basically, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, of the way that the Greek is applied to this when, they, when it speaks about the mysteries of God is this. It's something that is, is, is really not known until you're given, you're given the right or you're given the ability to know. And you've acquired basically the opportunity or you've been given the privilege to know it. So as a result, what to us seems like a mystery, because there's a lot of a lot about a mystery we don't understand. God kind of makes it, He makes it clearer. He gives us understanding, spiritual enlightening, so that we can know what this truth is 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 all about. Somebody understanding me? So 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 here's the thing: we're living, we're living in the world where even what the world celebrates right now as far as this season, coming into this season. I know we've been talking about the Feast of Jehovah. We've been talking about the Feast of Tabernacles. But right now, we're living in the, in the, in the time right now where people uh, speak of this time being the season. And, and if we're Jews, 
Of course, we're spiritual Jews, aren't we? Right. We're spiritual Jews, so we should we should know that this time is what the, you know what, what they what they determined today to be is is the is the memorial or or the uh, how could I say this is when Jesus was actually crucified some almost two thousand years ago in Jerusalem, and so it's a it's a memorial of his crucifixion. And his passion and his crucifixion, everything that led up to his crucifixion during that week in Jerusalem. And and but but you know, right now the world, the understanding that the world has, even of what has taken place in history, is has been uh, clouded. Has been clouded. And when you look around, everything that happened, that occurred, even around that particular uh, time and that particular, you know, as far as the Passover was concerned, even even before, uh, I want to speak to you about about th three things about it, three three ways or three three things that happened as far as the crucifixion. There was understanding that came prior to his crucifixion, and 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 how, how I want to. How I want to term that is pre-crucifixion understanding. Pre-crucifixion understanding. And then we have when Jesus was crucified. At that particular time, the present understanding of his crucifixion was actually fulfillment of him being, you know, crucified, hanging on the cross and dying on the cross. Okay? And then after that, after his crucifixion, after he ascended and went up into heaven, there was also post-to-post-crucifixion understanding. Now, some of you are probably saying, well, what's he going to speak about today then? What does that all mean? Well, I'll tell you what. It, when, it, when we come to a place where we can receive knowledge, especially knowledge of the Word of God. Of God's will being performed and done and coming to pass. I always remember everything that's ever happened in, in history concerning God and His will. Of course, we're living this side of Calvary. We're on this side of Calvary. That happened almost 1900 some years ago. It's, it's almost getting close to the 2000 mark now, 1900 some years. So we know that's happened that long ago, but we're, we're on this side of it. But even though we are still on this side of it, there's always a little bit of, how could I say, speculation or misinterpretation, misunderstanding concerning what really happened during that time. So I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you, uh, uh, in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10, this is what I would, this is what I would basically term as the Apostle Paul's, the Apostle, the Apostle Paul's uh, concept of the crucifixion. Look what he says in verse number 10. He says, that I may 
power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect. Does everybody see that? Amen. Let us therefore as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And I believe this. The Apostle Paul understood. The Apostle Paul understood what happened at Calvary. He understood really the necessity of Calvary. And everything that Calvary basically symbolized or meant to God's he understood it fully. In other words, why would he say that? That I may know him. I want to know him. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. I, I want to know him in that sense. I want to understand fully what happened when he gave his life for me. Praise God. So, so we see that and, and when we take a look at you know, everything that took place on, on Calvary and what Jesus did, even, even before his crucifixion, you know, there, there were uh, times that he tried to impart some kind of understanding to his disciples, try to reach them with, and prepare them for what was going to take place. And that's what I call pre-Calvary. And, and you go over there into the, the book of Matthew chapter 12. And we have a, an example of, of what he was talking about. Of trying to prepare uh, his, his disciples for what was going to take place. And, and this pre-Calvary. This pre-Calvary understanding. And so he says in verse number... 38 in chapter 12 of Matthew says, Then certain certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, 
and evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so we, we, we see here that he was trying to impart some understanding even to the religious people of his time. And they were seeking a sign. What sign can, can we receive from you? What proof do you have? Basically, all these things that you're doing, they definitely witness the power of God, but they wanted a sign. What sign is there? He said, I, he said I'll give you a sign. As Moses was three days and three nights in the, in the valley of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. In other words, that time's coming when I'm going to go through what God has called me to go through. And, of course, we know that in the Scripture, it, it was spoken of through the prophets that, you know, he would suffer. He would, he would suffer, he would die. And like Isaiah said, he was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief and all of this. He would suffer. He would die. And But you go there in Matthew chapter uh, 16, and, and you see here another, another time, another situation where he's speaking to his disciples, and he's saying, and, and from that time forth, in verse number 21, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem, and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. So he was trying to prepare them for what was going to take place. He was trying to tell them the time's coming where God needs to be fulfilled. This is what's going to happen to the Son of Man. Hmm? He's going to suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. But look what happened. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So in other words, even Peter was in unbelief and, and saying, No, this, this, this is not going to happen. Why are you speaking this? It's not going to happen. But what did Jesus do? Jesus <clears throat> turned to Peter, and you know what he said? Get thee behind me, Satan. Because thou savorest the things that be of men, 
and not of God. Praise God. So we see here, even in the pre-Calvary, even in the pre-Calvary, even in him trying to, to bring understanding to them, there was even that, that shadow of doubt or unbelief that just seemed to cloud their minds where they couldn't fully comprehend or understand what was happening or what was going to happen, even though it was spoken of in the scriptures concerning his passion and his death. They just couldn't see it. Now, you ever wonder why it says this? You ever wonder why it says this? In the book of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, this is what it says in verse number 7 in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We just finished reading some examples of, of what, you know, what was done and what was what was said and done and, and response to what was going to take place, what Jesus was talking to them about and and we just seen the, the response of a lot of the people during that time and now we now we see here Paul speaking in the book of First Corinthians chapter one or chapter two and, and right on verse nine. Um, well let's back up to verse number seven, excuse me. Verse number seven, look what he says. He said, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. The hidden wisdom. You see that? The hidden wisdom, which God ordained unto our glory. So, so we see here, so we see here that, uh, you know, there, it was hidden through the wisdom of God that they, they did not understand, they did not comprehend. And you see where he says, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. If they really understood, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them <clears throat> that love him. For God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. So here, here we see, even, even concerning His, you know, His crucifixion and everything that happened, guess what? There's always seems to be that point where man just does not understand or does not see. Or even here. Hallelujah. That's what's important for us. Even today, what people celebrate as, you know, of course, the, and I'll say it in this sense, 
please don't get offended at what they say because I'm not saying it to be judgmental but, but the Christian world you know what they're celebrating today they're not celebrating the Passover what are they celebrating they're celebrating they're celebrating and, and a lot of people don't realize that what they're celebrating, you know what? Here's one thing I understand. I know to be the word of God. What did Jesus say? He said in the book of John, chapter 4, he said that the Lord is calling them to worship, calling those to worship him in what? In spirit and in truth. He's seeking such to worship him in spirit and in truth. So if he's calling us to worship him in spirit, and in truth, then I believe this. If he's doing that, then we need to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. And if we worship him in spirit and in truth, we will do just exactly that. We would adhere to the things that we know are the truth. Amen. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Amen. Praise Amen. God. So we even see around this time that, you know, the way people basically see or even their understanding is always shrouded. You know, they don't really know just basically the, the truth of, of, of what they believe. And you know what? God wants us to know the truth, doesn't he? And, and how could I say this? How could I say this? That God called you, He's called you to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. So that you can know truth. It's not by accident, all of you that are sitting here, all of you that have been baptized in Jesus' name, all of you that have received the Holy Ghost, guess what? That's God's doing. Amen. That's nobody else's doing but God's doing. So obviously, He's calling you to the truth. And you know what the Bible says? They that are of the truth shall hear his voice. Amen. Amen. So if you are of the truth, you're going to hear his voice. So as a result, guess what? He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen. So we come to that point where, where when it comes to the word of God and it comes to what, what we believe right now, even as the world celebrates. Well, I know somebody might be saying this and somebody might... Uh, say this and, and if you go there in the book of Acts chapter 12 and uh, people don't realize I, I guess some people know it's in there but they, maybe they don't pay enough attention to it but I know some folks that do pay a lot of attention to it and they read it and they, and they say that justifies their belief I'm not I'm not preaching about Easter don't get, don't get me wrong I'm not preaching about Easter I'm preaching about the truth Amen. and you'll see that as we go on this morning but in Acts chapter 12, it says this. And about that time, Herod, in verse number 1, the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. They were, then were the days, of, look, pay attention to what he says, then were the days of unleavened bread. <laughs> and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, 
and delivered him to four Quartonian soldiers to keep him intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, now, now we have something, and somebody says, well, there it is, it's in the Bible. Yes, it is in the Bible. But guess what? When they translated, when, when they translated the Bible uh, from, from the Hebrew and the Greek into the English, to, in, back in this day, this was like in 1611, amen, the, the word, the Greek word that is there is the word pascha. Pascha mean what? When you translate it, Passover. So here we have them celebrating that the, the, the correct translation should be waiting, or, or if I want to read the correct translation, I want, I'll read the way what it says. It says, to keep him intending after Passover to bring him forth to the people. That's what it should really read. So somebody might ask me now, and I'll share this with you. When the King James Version was uh, translated, when, when we were presented with the King James Version of the Bible, of course, a lot of the translation was taken from what, what they call the, the original Hebrew and the Greek. We know that. Uh, 70, 70 uh, scholars were, were uh, employed to do this and, and actually there were others that were, were part of this taking place in the history history records that but the majority the majority of those who were engaged in the translation from the Septuagint to the King James Version were scholars from Alexandria Egypt And Alexandria, Egypt was, of course, back then, yes, little portions of Christianity were advancing in the known world back then, but here we have, you know, so, so as far as the knowledge of God's word was actually reaching a lot of people, but here's the thing, here were people that did embrace Christianity, is everybody listening? They embraced Christianity, but yet they were still holding on to their pagan beliefs. So as a result, when they translated the scripture, there was, you know, a little bit of, how can I say, bias to the way that they did it. So as a result, the translator said, well, this is the Passover, but we know it as Easter. And so there it was in the word of God, but the true word is Pascha, Passover. Why is that so, you know, why is that a controversy? Because God wants us to worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay, so, so here we see a, a, a lot of instances where even concerning understanding, now let's, let's go back to Matthew chapter 16 again. And I'll you know, bring something to your attention here. Matthew chapter 16. Now here we here we see Jesus again speaking to his disciples. From that time forth, in verse 21, began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things 
of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. He began to prepare them. This is what's going to take place when we enter into Jerusalem. I'm going to be brought before all the rulers. I'm going to be tried. I'm going to suffer. And then I'm going to be crucified. That's what he was telling them. But on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. So even though he was preparing them for this, this event that was coming, here they were still in disbelief. You know why, you know why a lot of people, I believe, have their, their disbelief? I believe three reasons why people are in disbelief. They don't really understand this. What, what did Paul say? And Paul's quoting scripture back in the, in, 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 uh, in the book of Isaiah. You know what he said? He said, man doesn't hear. Man doesn't see. Now, when, I, when, when we're talking about man doesn't hear, man doesn't see, you know, uh, we, we can hear certain things. We can hear. Like you might be hearing me right now, but when you hear, is it the type of hearing where you actually take what you're hearing and you actually ingest it into your being. There's a difference between hearing and really hearing. You hear something, guess what? You're going you're to hear it and it's going to do something. You're going to, you're going to uh, take what you've heard. Like, like James said, don't be just hearers of the word only, but be doers. What you hear, you're going to follow up by what you hear, you're going to do. You're going to fulfill what you heard. And, and that's, that's crazy because here comes another word, hurricane. Or hurricane. Hurricane means this, that you've heard and you're going to do. Huh? So when, when we take a look at the scripture, when we take a look at the scripture, here's the thing. Today, a lot of people say, I believe. Yes, I, I believe. I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe. But that's the extent of their belief. That's the extent of their belief. They believe, yes, he, he did come. He did suffer. He did die. He was crucified. He was buried. He resurrected. I believe that. But that's the extent of their belief. They just, it's just something that's there in their mind. They haven't really heard really what that all really means. Are you listening to me? Maybe some of us have that kind of faith. Huh? Well, I believe he came. I believe he suffered. I believe he died. I believe he was a good man. But that's the extent of our faith. And here's the thing. That's not real belief. That's right. Huh? Now here's something interesting. I'll share this with you. I won't charge you for it. Bye. 
I'm going to borrow a little bit from psychology, if you don't mind. But it's interesting because it does make a lot of sense. We like to associate certain to ourselves to certain things. Now, you know, help you to understand. If we like something, if there's something that pleases us, something that makes us feel, you know, where we we're satisfied, or it, it brings joy to us, and we like it, and we say, I, I really like that. So we like to associate ourselves to it just because of the feeling. So when we hear something and it makes us feel good, guess what? Oh. You know, I, I like that. I, I, and, and we, so if we want to be associated with it just because of the feeling that we, that we have experienced. Now this is why I say, just you feeling good when you pray doesn't mean you're saved. <laughs> just you having that experience of feeling relief and feeling the heaviness lifted off of you. That's just part of salvation. It's not all of salvation. Amen. Are you getting me? Yeah. So, so, so we like to be associated with that feeling. Okay? You ever wonder why Jesus said, worship me in spirit and in truth? Because it's not associated with our feelings. It's associated with our spirit and truth. It goes deeper than our emotions or what we experience. Huh? What we feel makes us feel good. And the, the reason why I say that is because when we do that, we say, I want to be associated with that. I want to be connected to that. And you know what that you know what they call that in, in psychology? Just because you want to be associated with it because it makes you feel good. You believe it, but you don't want to go any further than that. You know what that's called? Romanticism. Yeah. Well, I, I, I want to be linked to that because there's something about it. This makes me feel good. God wants to do more than making you feel good. Amen. He wants to go deeper into your being, into your faith, into your belief. I hope that just because you're here, you say, I want to be a Christian. You know what? It, it, there's more to just the feel good part of it. Amen. Are you understanding me? So why would, why would Jesus say this? When, when he was telling his disciples all this, then Peter turns around and says, eh, get the, he says, uh, Peter took him and began to rebuke him and saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. That's how man is. Man just wants the, those things that he can... You know, it's like this. If you have selective hearing, you're just going to hear what you want to hear. And you're going to disregard everything you don't want to hear. Huh? You'll do what you want to do and not do what you don't want to do. Are you listening to me? So when it comes to the Word of God, that's how it is. People don't want to go any further than just what's on the surface. And that's what was happening here. That's why Jesus rebuked him. Hey, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou savest the things that be of men and not of God. So after he finishes saying that, look what he says. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Amen. And take up his cross and follow me. Huh? Amen. 
If you want to really, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be a real follower, deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me. Why is he saying that? He just finished speaking to them about his crucifixion. He just finished speaking to them about his suffering. He just finished speaking to them about his resurrection. Huh? And here he is. He's imparting some understanding. If you're going to follow me, guess what? Here, here's, here, here. Let me, let me, let me uh, put this in modern slang or modern vernacular, just to make it simple for you. He said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to pick up your own cross. Amen. Huh? Amen. If you're going to be my disciple, guess what? You're my disciple, you're going to have your own cross. Hallelujah. So we see that here. He said, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world, lose his own soul? Or what shall a man gain in exchange for his soul? So, so here we see, here we see this. Why, why is this so important? Guess what? I know this. There's power in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the real reason. There's power. You ever wonder why Paul said that when Paul was referring to if the princes of this world had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They, they didn't understand what he came to do. Guess what? He, he was going to change a lot of things for mankind through his death, burial, and resurrection. He was going to change a lot of things. And guess what? He still is. Amen. Okay? So Paul says that. Paul says that in Romans chapter 1, verse number 16. He says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. The good news of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So he said, I'm not ashamed because it is the power of God unto salvation. There's power in what we believe. Amen. There's power in what we obey. Amen. Huh? Does everybody listen? Yeah. Power. This is not just some little, you know, that sounds pretty good to me. I believe it. Huh? As I, as I say to a lot of people, if you believe that with all your heart, if you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's the next thing. Here's the next question I have. And I say, do you believe? Like Paul said, he said, I believe in the gospel of Christ. I believe in the gospel of Christ. I said, if you believe in the, do you believe in the gospel of Christ? He said, yes, I do. I said, okay. If you believe in the gospel of Christ, I said, what do you believe? <laughs> what do you believe? Here's another question. What do you want to know? So I tell them, if, if you believe in the gospel of Christ, 
Guess what? What is the gospel then? <coughs> huh? What is the gospel? Acts 2.38, we cut it down to a nutshell. It's Acts 2.38. But the Apostle Paul kind of, you know, he, he, he talks about that to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. I declare to you the gospel which I preached unto you. I'm going to tell you about the gospel. I declare unto you the gospel which I preach unto you, which also ye have received. You have received the gospel, and look what he says, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved. You received it, you stand in it, you're saved by it. If you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Do you see that? Amen. Unless you have believed in vain. Keep in memory what I preached unto you. Unless you have believed in vain. He said, For I deliver unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins. That's the first part of the gospel. He came to die for our sins. Each and every one of us, we were in bondage to sin. You notice I use that past tense word. We were in bondage to sin. That was our that was our situation before we came to know the truth. We, we were under the power of sin. But since we heard the gospel, guess what? It should be past tense. Huh? So he said, uh, he said, uh, uh, for I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. So guess what? He died for whose sins? Your sins. The Bible says that, amen, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him will not perish, but have life everlasting, or everlasting life. Huh? He died for the whole world. Any, any person that would hear and believe and obey the gospel, he died for them. So guess what? He died for you. Let's make it personal. He died for your sins. Okay? And that he was buried. He died. He was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. So that's what he said. Death, burial, resurrection. That's what he did. That's what people are declaring right now all over the world. All over in Christendom, they're talking about his death, burial, resurrection right now. Amen. But they're using another word for it. <laughs> We're not using that word. And so... That, that, that is the gospel. That's what we believe. How many of you believe in the death, burial, and resurrection? Now that we've established that, that's, that's, that's pretty good. Now that we've established that, and, and we see that as a result of us knowing what it is as far as believing what the scripture says about his death, burial, and resurrection, his passion. Man. 
Let's take a look at some examples. Let's go to the book of uh, Matthew, chapter 27. Just, just so that you can have some reference here. I don't mind doing this. Matthew 27. Well, this whole chapter is concerning his crucifixion. What leads up to his crucifixion, his trial, his scourging, and all this. But uh, we'll concentrate on Matthew 27, right on verse number 50 there. It says this. Jesus, when he, was, when he cried, again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. Wow. And the graves were opened. And many bodies of the saints which slept arose and came out of the graves after his resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared unto many. And when the centurion and they that were with him watching Jesus saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Many women, and many women were there beholding the far off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among whom was Mary, which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James, and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's children. So we see here, we kind of we, we, we get a, a, a little glimpse of what happened there when he when he died, when he actually died on the cross. You go over there in, in Mark chapter 15, it's almost the same uh, description, maybe a little bit differently by uh, Mark in, in chapter 15 of Luke in verse number 33. It says, when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole earth, the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, 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 lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it, said, Behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And when Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up, and Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to bottom. So, so we see what, what happened here. At his crucifixion, obviously, certain things took place when that happened. At the time of his death. At the time of his death. And then, so, we can see how the world, even though, here's an interesting question. This is all going on during what feast? During the Passover. Now here's an interesting question. Maybe I'll get some of you to do some research. Study. But this was during the Passover. Obviously, you, you, you talk about certain things about, if you study in, in the scripture, in the Gospels, it talks about the day of preparation, the unleavened bread preparation, and they even talk about the high Sabbath during that week. 
Now, does anybody know why would it say high Sabbath? And why does it talk, talk about, when he resurrected, it talks about the first day of the week being the Sabbath. It talks about the day after the Sabbath. Why is it that you have uh, such terminology as, as the day of preparation, the high Sabbath, and then the Sabbath after that. I mean, they're closely associated with one another. There's actually a few days, a few days right there where all this takes place. Boom, 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 boom. You'll see that in the, all four of the Gospels. Why, why, why do you think so? Does, does anybody understand why that happens like that? I know you know. They did have weekly Sabbaths, didn't they? What was what day was marked for the weekly Sabbath? What day was marked for the weekly Sabbath? What day of the week? The, the what day? Sunday. Uh, the seventh day. So here, here they were. Every every week they had a weekly Sabbath, didn't they? Okay. So every time. Here's the thing, remember this, the feasts are determined by the counting of days. Huh? Isn't that right? What determines Pentecost? You have to count the day after the first fruits. So after the day after the first fruits, you begin to count. Seven, seven times seven, 49, that following day is 50. So that's how you determine Pentecost. How do you know that? Well, right after the first fruits, you start counting. One, two, you have to count 49, 50 days. Seven weeks. Huh? So everything that, as far as the celebration of the feast, are determined by counting those days. Okay? <laughs> so even when it comes to, like, the Passover, when it comes to the Passover, they're determining the Passover by the last feast, which is what? What was the feast they celebrated before Passover? Yeah. Get think in your minds now. Go back. Go back. What are we studying about? Who said that? The feast of trumpets. So basically, when they determined the timing of, of Passover, it was from, from the time they celebrated the feast of trumpets. They kept a uh, 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 account of the of the days of the seasons. That's why they're in certain seasons. That's why they have certain calendars so they can count the days. So so obviously when it came to celebrating that particular feast day, guess what? They usually had what they call a high Sabbath. A high Sabbath was not a part of the regular week, the regular Sabbath. Uh, that day usually fell on a certain day of the week. So guess what? That was their high Sabbath. In other words, it was a day they celebrated that certain feast. Are you getting it now? So here's the, here's the amazing thing, okay? Uh, I want you to be aware of that. Here's the amazing thing. Here was Jesus came in on Palm Sunday. And all the people worshipped him. They laid down their palm branches. They worshipped him. 
Who is this that cometh in the name of the Lord? Hosanna in the highest. He came riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. Huh? The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That was four days before the Passover. Because there had to be four days of separation for the lamb that was going to be presented for the Passover. Huh? Four days that they took the lamb out from the flock and they put it in the pen. Four days that that lamb was examined by every family member, every household. Four days to see if that lamb was a, an unblemished lamb. Huh? It didn't have any blemishes on it. It wasn't a sick lamb. It wasn't a lame lamb. It wasn't a blind, a blind lamb. Why? Because that lamb had to be perfect. Because it was going to be crucified. It was going to be offered up. It was the Passover, Passover lamb. Here's the thing. That four days that it spent under examination by the household, every household member was given the opportunity to examine the lamb. Every household member. Listen to this. This is amazing. This is beautiful. To me, it's beautiful. Amen. Every household member was given the opportunity to make a connection with that lamb. Amen. That's what God wants each and every one of you to do. He, you need to make a personal connection with him. Here's the thing. That lamb was being offered for their sins. It was innocent. It was innocent blood. It was being offered for their sins. Guess what? He died for your sins. He died for my sins. <coughs> he was innocent blood. But he took our sins upon him. Huh? So here's the thing. Now, this is what I said. I want somebody to do research this to find out. Do it on your own. Here's all the religious leaders. All this commotion is going around around Jesus. Everything. Here's the thing. God was trying to get their attention. But here they were, all clamoring around about their religion. I believe this today. God is trying to get people's attention, but here they are, all clamoring around about their religion. Amen. Amen. Huh? He's trying to open up to them understanding concerning what you really believe. What is it you really believe about this time of the season? It was my crucifixion. It was my passion and crucifixion and my resurrection from the dead. Not an Easter egg that you color. And go hunting for it. But here is all these religious leaders clamoring about during this particular time, getting ready for the feast of Passover. Of course, it, it talked about you know when they crucified him, 
they went into uh, Pontius Pilate and they said, hey, you know what? His father said uh, that he was going to, he said he was going to be raised from the dead the third day. So uh, we, don't, we don't want his followers taking his body out from the tomb and, and saying that he resurrected. So what we want to do is we want to put a seal on the tomb. So they put a seal on the tomb, but you know what they did? When they went to, they, uh, when they went to uh, uh, Pontius Pilate, the Bible says it was the day of preparation. So in other words, they were talking about you know, the Feast of Unleavened Bread because it started. Huh? So here they were. And here they were get, getting all ready for what was happening. But here's the thing. Even though all this was taking place and they were preparing you know, for everything as far as Passover and Unleavened Bread, here was the lamb, the Passover lamb, right before them. Now, here's a question for you. <coughs> How many priests were at the crucifixion of Jesus? Are you certain? see the Passover. They were there at the Passover. See the Passover. You know what I mean? Even though they witnessed his crucifixion, they didn't see it as the ultimate Passover. Sacrifice. You know what, saints of God? It's a shame because that's what modern Christianity is doing right now. Because if they would see what he came to do for us, if they would see literally what his crucifixion means, guess what? Like he said, if you want to be my disciples, if you want to be my followers, deny yourselves and pick up your cross and follow me. Amen. Because that's what it really means. Amen. So there was misunderstanding, of course, the pre-crucifixion and even during the crucifixion and even post-crucifixion. There was misunderstanding. They didn't really uh, go with me to the book of Luke. We have a few more minutes. Uh, I hope I've, I've stirred up your minds. Amen. And in the book of Luke, in chapter 24, verse number... Uh, oh, verse number 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to the village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. This is after the crucifixion. Look at, look at their state of mind. He says, And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding 
that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What man of communication are these that ye have one to another as ye walk in our And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast not known the things which are come to pass therein in these days? And he said, he said unto him, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was prophesied, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides this, all this day, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were, which were early at the sepulcher, and when they found out his body, they came, saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, but said that he was alive. So even post-Calvary, there was that little bit of disbelief. Even though it happened, even though it took place, even though he was crucified, buried, and resurrected, there was that little bit of, you know, they didn't really see. They didn't really understand. They didn't really comprehend. You know, I feel I feel this in the spirit. I'll just be I'll just be open with you. I feel this in the spirit. I feel like there's some here that may be in this state of mind. You don't fully comprehend what the Lord has done for you. You don't fully comprehend the power. <coughs> Of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't fully comprehend his death. He died for you. He died for you. He was put in that tomb. But because he knew no sin, guess what? Death couldn't keep him. So he resurrected, like he said. Like Noah was three days and three nights in the heart of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three, day, three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And, and, and so he resurrected. He resurrected for who? For you. For me. For the whole world. He resurrected for us. He didn't resurrect for himself. He resurrected for us. And he ascended. Praise God. That's what you need to fully comprehend. That he came to do that. Hallelujah. 
Scripture says, go with me to the book of Hebrews. Let me see if I can find it. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. There's just little portions of truth and understanding that just seems to come out of God's word. In Hebrews chapter 2, <clears throat> verse number verse number 9. I'll let you get there while I take a sip of water. Look what it says. It says, but we see Jesus. I like the way he says it. We see Jesus. Uh, How many of you really see Jesus? Amen. amen. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, <clears throat> by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. He tasted death for you and I. For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause, for which cause he's not ashamed to call them brethren. But I like the way he says that. But we see Jesus. Jesus came to do that for you and I. <laughs> he came to do that. You know what? If you have faith in God, you shouldn't be afraid of death. Right. Amen. Amen. Huh? Amen. You know why? Because he took the sting out of death. Amen. Amen. If we're afraid of death, maybe it's because the power of sin is still has us under control. But if we've overcome and we believe what Jesus did, he came to die for me. He was buried for me. He was resurrected for me. So I believe that. So as a result, guess what? I obeyed. Right. I obeyed his death. Yeah. Amen. Huh? Right. Yeah. Everybody listening? Yeah. I obeyed his death. I, would, I repented of my sins. Amen. The old man was crucified. Amen. Huh? Amen. I turned my back on sin and I, and I started walking with God. Amen. So I, I obeyed his death and I repented. And you know what they did with the old Harold Marshall? They took him and they buried him in that watery grave in Arvada, Colorado, June 25th, 1982. So the old Harold is dead. But guess what? God filled me with the Holy Ghost, so the new Harold resurrected. Are you listening to me? I'm no longer a drug addict no more. I'm no longer an alcoholic. 
I'm no longer an offender of his word. I'm no longer disobeying his word. Are you listening to me? Why? Because I believe. That's where some of you, that's what you need to comprehend. But we see Jesus. I really see what he came to do for me and for you and for whoever will believe in him. No, I know the devil's real. I know that. He's still around. I know that. I know that. But, but here's the thing. This is how I understand my association with the devil. <laughs> Some of you guys go, what? <laughs> this is how I understand my relationship with the devil. Okay, is everybody ready for this? Amen. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's how I understand my association. Now, I don't fear him no more. Right. Now he has no control over my That's life. Right. Now I'm not under bondage to him. Guess what? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. That's the way it is for the Holy Ghost filled saint of God. We have overcome him. Amen. We have a, a few more minutes. Go with me to, let's go to 1 John. Chapter 3. First John. Oh, 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 oh. Thank you, Lord. First John, chapter 3. And verse number <coughs> 5 says, For we know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sins. He was manifested to take away our sin. Let Jesus take your sin away. We shouldn't be living in sin any longer. We should have no interest in sin. He was manifested to take away our sins. And in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. If you abide in Jesus, guess what? You're not going to sin. That's right. Huh? Amen. Whosoever sinned had not seen him, neither known him. Huh? In other words, if, if, if sin is still something, uh, an issue in your life, guess what? You haven't really seen Jesus. That's right. You haven't fully understood him. You haven't fully known him. That's how we know. Okay, it says, it says this, uh, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. Now look what he says. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Woo. So he was manifested so that he can destroy the works of the devil. Guess what? 
That's not past tense either. He's still doing it. He, can, he still does it for you and I, doesn't he? He can destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he is born of God. That's what the Spirit of God does for us. If we are born of God, guess what? If we keep our priority in the right place, guess what? Sin will not be an issue with us. Are you listening to me? If you humble yourself to the leadership of the Holy Ghost, you won't be walking down those crooked streets. Huh? Those crooked paths. Those dark paths. You won't be going back out there in the world. Huh? You won't be doing that. All those worldly interests and desires, all those sinful habits you had, you won't be doing that. If the Holy Ghost is, that's the reason why he gives us the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost will lead us, and he'll lead us out of there where we won't be living in this realm of sin and darkness. Is that understandable? Amen. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So, so here, here we see this. And you know, it's because we haven't fully understood or seen or have known what it really is to know his death, burial, and resurrection. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation. Helps me to overcome. Helps me to overcome. We're supposed to crucify the flesh with the affections and lust thereof. Crucify it. Nail it. Impale it to that cross. Pick up your cross daily. That part of you, that your, your human nature that wants to go back and relapse into the, the same old things, guess what? That's when you need to get that human nature and put it on that cross. Yeah. Amen. 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 Lord, I appreciate the Lord. So many things about his word. Hallelujah. I could get into a lot of other things about today, but I, I just don't feel like I need to because I think we, we know the truth. We know the truth. We know what God wants to be to see. That's what I'm concerned with. That's what I'm concerned with. And I appreciate what God's doing in my life and in your life. We'll continue to do it as long as we humble ourselves. Thank you very much for coming. Thank you for attending the service this morning. Prayers at 6 this evening, so we start at 6 Everybody have a, a beautiful, God-centered, God-blessed day. In Jesus' name. Thank you very much.